welcome to another episode of the Sports Council Podcast. I am your host, Matt, and I am joined by Vivek, G, and Dylan for this episode of the show. The NBA Finals are finally over, and for the fourth time in eight years, the Golden State Warriors are your NBA champions. We give our thoughts and analysis on a remarkable six-game series that crowned a champion. Plus, we debate on where Curry ranks all-time, Jason Tatum's meltdown, and what the future holds for both teams. Today is June 22nd, 2022, and this is the 64th episode of the show. Warriors! Warriors! Let's go! Yeah, all that needs to be this is said? a great season. I love that season. I think it's it good. in the end, honestly. It was pretty dope. Yeah. Cannot complain. Cannot complain one bit. I'm sure all of you are aware by now that the Warriors have won in six games over Boston, which um, I think a lot of our analysts actually predicted. I think we actually had a unanimous sweep um, from all our experts this time. Yeah, I mean, we like we yeah. all picked the Warriors, but we just debated on how many games it would take for that to happen. Not going to lie, there were some times where it looked pretty rough out there it with did. the Warriors. And the they were down, pretty they good. They were down twice in the series, right? Down 1-0 and then 2-1. Yeah, they were. Yeah. That's crazy. It I didn't feel like it, and though. They I said they got 2015 vibes, and, you know, they did what they had to do. I don't know why. DNA, I don't know why, but, you know, I said, I think I was in more of the early game. Like, I thought the Warriors were going to win four or five, and they mm-hmm. ended up winning in six, obviously. But I just felt like if, you know, in the last three games is what I expected the whole series to look like. And I feel like, honestly, it could have easily just been a four or five game series. But, you know, the Celtics got two which is kudos to them, especially getting game one. Game one was crazy that they won that. Yeah. You know, I think my prediction would have been right if they wouldn't have won game one. But, you know, that's just, that's just how it goes. Yeah, I mean, I thought, I, I said that they'd be down uh, 2-1 in the series because I felt like it gave me 2015 kind of vibes, but I didn't think they'd drop that first game. I thought they would drop, you know, game two and then game three. But, I mean, game one, that was crazy. They just went off from three. Al Horford, I think he scored 26, I want to say. And then say. Derek White had like 20 and, plus. Yeah, yeah. Derek White had 20 plus, and then they never heard from him again, basically, after that game. One and done. And, yeah. So, yeah. Kudos to the Celtics. They played incredibly hard. They were very, I thought they were a very, very good team, honestly. And I think they were the most threatening team to the, uh, to the Warriors, I felt like. So, you know, I don't think they ever went down to anyone else in a series, right? No. Like, they were up to, yeah, they were up on everyone else. So, yeah, kudos to them at least for that. But, doesn't matter. We're still champions. You don't get rings for running up 2-1. Exactly. Oh, man, the, t- the hate, the absolute vitriol I heard after game three, man, it was ridiculous. You could, It was like the Celtics already won the series. And, you know, they were talking about all about how Clay and Draymond, they were, washed. you know. Draymond yeah, needed washed. to stop they were whining, podcasting. Right? Exactly. Jake Fisher, I want to say, he was the one who, I saw it live too when he questioned Draymond. He was like, do you think you're giving up too many X's and O's in your podcast? And Draymond was just like, you know, he responded in the Draymond fashion, right? He just, there's no X's and O's in the podcast. And you can tell, like, if you've ever listened to one of Draymond's podcasts, Great podcast. he's not giving that much away yeah go like the draymond green podcast yeah i don't know why we're doing promo for another podcast so maybe right now, he'll but, you know um, he'll understand respect you know game respects game and then he'll yeah shout out to yeah, exactly <laughs> yeah he'll show he'll uh he'll invite us on his show and we'll invite him on him if he wants to come on yeah if he wants if you got time yeah he, he's got time now yeah we'll check over schedules busy if we can accommodate for time nba champion draymond green yeah, we're, we're pretty booked for the next month. Apologies to Matt Damon and everyone else. But hey, I mean... <laughs> Matt Damon? I don't know, man. I mean, oh, he is a Boston guy. We don't like Boston guys. That's true. Exactly. Yeah. We don't like Nando. Either way. <laughs> Nando, man. Nando, you you don't see him on this show right now because he duck, he's ducking all the smoke. But he was rooting hard for the Celtics. I don't know why. He's just a hater. I think that's just he's what he is. Ta- because he's not a Celtics fan. He's a Tatum fanboy. And he doesn't even root for the Celtics, actually. He roots for Are you guys talking Tyler. about uh, Jason Wiggins? <laughs> Son of Andrew Wiggins? Man. 
we're gonna have to talk about Tatum's performance. I feel like you know, obviously people are talking about it, but it was, it was really bad. He really, like, he really made Kobe proud with that performance. I think he had more Kobe tweets and Kobe mentions, and he had good games. <laughs> I don't think Kobe I think wants Tatum to talk got to him pretty anyway. gassed, honestly. Yeah, like, I, mean, I, I get the narrative is pretty against him right now, and everyone's on this, you know, bandwagon of Jason Tatum hatred. But he had a great season overall this year. He showed up in the playoffs. He played pretty well. Like, there's an overall body of work, right? I mean, he definitely did not show up in the mm-hmm. finals. And that's been cherry-picking over analyzed to the nth degree at this point. But I think there's still only ways to go up from here. He's only 24. Right. Like, he's done a really good job. He led the Celtics team further. Him and, you know, Jalen Brown, people are always doubting, you know, if those two could actually make it work and become the team and put together, like, their talent and they were able to do that and so kudos to them honestly J- Jalen Brown Jason Tatum like they're both studs I have nothing but good things yeah, to say they're about both them. stars for sure I think my thing with just Jason Tatum like I think he has all the intangibles and all the skill sets and stuff it's just that I feel like with him I have like you know in the final series, obviously, they were asking a lot of him because he was their main primary ball handler, and he's just not that. He's not the guy that looks for other players and looks for, you know, to create shots for others. He's, you know, a shot maker, and he only looks for his shot. So, you know, that's what he was there for. But I think they were asking him to do a lot against the Warriors. And, you know, first couple games, you know, it was working and stuff. He was, you know, distributing the ball pretty well and all this other stuff. But at the end of the day, his best quality is to score, and he really wasn't able to score. I think he needs to – and I think this kind of goes in my second point with this, the, the Celtics is that they need a real point guard. You know, Marcus Smart is great for guarding other teams' point guards, but he is not a point guard himself in an offensive standpoint. Like, he's more of a two – He's, you know, hit the open three, you can catch a shoot, but he can't really facilitate and run an offense. So, you know, obviously, if you look at the Celtics from past, they've tried to get Kemba, they tried to work work around him, they tried to work around Kyrie. Those are the type of point guards they need. And I think, you know, obviously those, those two didn't work out. And I'm not saying that this season was unsuccessful or anything, but for them to take the next step, I do think they need to find and solidify a real point guard that runs an offense. It doesn't need to be anybody that's like a you know, a superstar. They don't need a third superstar. They just need someone to control the tempo on the team, control the flow of the game for them. I just feel like that's what's something they were missing. And obviously, you know, Jason Tatum kind of, you know, kind of has a lot of that blame and a lot of people have been giving them that blame, which is understandable. And, you know, he also had this, I don't know if you guys saw that uh, interview where he said, I never called myself a superstar, so I don't think I'm a superstar. It's just that type of shit bothers me too because it's like, you obviously you're great. No one's saying you're not great. They just have expectations for you. And for you to like minimize those expectations, I think it's just like the most un-Kobe thing to do. If it's like the most simplest way to put it, you know? Like you can't like when people are calling you superstar and expecting a lot out of you in the finals because you've been performing. You kind of like downplaying You're downplaying it, right? yourself. Like you're, downplaying. Yeah, like you, it's not like you're downplaying the other team or it's someone you're going against or your rival or something. He's downplaying himself. Why would you even get in your own head? I think that had a lot to do with why Tatum wasn't successful. So it's just, you know, a lot of things they could figure out. But, I mean, it was a great season for the Celtics. I don't think anybody really projected them to be in the finals. They had a really bad start in the beginning of the season, and, like, how they picked it up during after the All-Star break was really impressive. Right? Yeah, definitely. They had won, like, yeah. they were, like, the best team after All-Star break or something, right? Yeah, they were. Something like that, yeah. They played with house money. Basically, mm-hmm. after January, they completely turned around their season. Udoka's defensive rotations looked like it finally were the missing piece that the Celtics needed. They couldn't get over the hump with Brad Stevens and you know getting Udoka, getting a new breath of fresh air, and that difference with how he engages with the players. You know, Brad Stevens is more a tactical X's and O's genius, and Udoka certainly has those traits and qualities. But he also knew how to reach the players, get them to buy in, work together. There were all these tumultuous discussions between Smart, Brown, and Tatum. And, you know, there was always con- this contrived drama that the media was also kind of stirring up talking about if they could actually work together. But, you know, shout out to Udoka. You know, he was a really, really good coach. And he was a rookie coach, too. I mean, to get this far in her first season, not really heard of at all. And he's going to be a really good mainstay for the Celtics team.
Yeah, I think he needs to get a lot more flowers, you know, because he did was a first-year coach, his first head coaching job. I think that's extremely impressive. Yeah. Something I'll say about Tatum, I think the failure of the Celtics lies partially on Jason Tatum, mostly because I think that what Jason Tatum was doing, I think he was just trying to do too much out there. But it's not because, you know, he was trying to take everything. He wasn't trying to, like, be the playmaker. It's because they needed him to be the playmaker, right? Because, you know, this is a Celtics team that, you know, there's not a whole lot of offensive firepower outside of him and Jalen Brown, right? So they need him and Brown to step up and be those primary um, shot takers, right? They got to both score 20-plus a game at least in order for them to stay with up-to-date with, like, Curry, Clay, and, you know, Poole off the bench as well. And Wiggins, who continued to do his 17-18, and then he popped off, I think, for 26, I think, in Game 5. So, you know, he there's a lot of pressure on him to score, and he didn't do that. He was trying to, I think, trying to be too much of a playmaker. And, you know, that falls on him. He can't just defer in that situation. It's the NBA Finals. You have to step up. If you're going to try to be Kobe, you got to be Kobe. Take shots. It's but I do understand thing. where he's coming from. It's always a Kobe from. mentality, though. You know, that's what bothers me. It's like, yeah. I don't think he is. I don't, I don't see the no, Kobe exactly. mentality from him. You. That's the thing. He, he tries to emulate his game, which is awesome. Great player to role model your game after. But then also you got to role model his mentality. Like, he literally does, just does not have that dog in him, you know, that killer in him, that Kobe in him. And it's just, I think that's literally just the missing piece there. If he could just have that, like, like that killer, like, I want to go out there and just fucking just destroy Andrew Wiggins, you know, and just, <laughs> he just doesn't. It doesn't seem like he at all give, like, you're like, oh, damn, Wiggins is on me, you know, like, I guess I can't do anything. That's more of a vibe yeah. I got from that. I mean, I don't doubt it's for a lack of trying or a lack of effort. I think Wiggins just did a really good job defensively. I think that should be one of the most emphasized parts about why Tatum didn't show up as much. I mean, Wiggins was basically putting him on an island and, I, and basically putting him by himself out there. It was just really hard to get by that. But also, I do think the part of him kind of running out of gas comes into play over here. He was expected yeah. to, to do a lot, and... It's really hard to maintain that conditioning and just to show up night in and night out. And then after a certain while, you know, you get into your head. I mean, Tatum was putting up 30, 40 points on a semi-regular basis at some point during the regular season. And, I mean, he certainly knew that, like, he wasn't playing up to par and up to his standards. And, you know, once you kind of get into your head about not being at the level you can play at, then it just kind of build on, builds off of that. And then it snowballs into this really bad thing. And... You know, by the last game, he just kind of seemed like he was a ghost walking, like a dead man walking. He didn't really do anything. Yeah, I mean, I think the salmon thing is understated, I think. Because let's face it, they had two seven-game series right before this. Jason Tatum played in the Olympics. Let's not forget about that. And then he went straight back to NBA basketball. Played, I think, almost all the games there. And... You know, now he has to play, you know, he went further than he ever has been in the playoffs. So those minutes accumulate. This is exactly what happened as well to Luca. Luca might just become, like, it might be a stamina issue with just with Luca, But, you know, those playoff minutes eventually wear you down, right? It's why the Warriors, after their three-peat, you know, they were all really worn down, basically. And then, I, I don't know if Clay got injured because of, you know, that kind of stuff. But, you know, the playoff minutes, they're going to wear and tear on your body, right? So I, th- I definitely think that's an issue. And I think that's why the Celtics, they were shooting red hot to start. And it could just be an anomaly. But it could also be that they had tired legs at the, end of the, uh, at the end of the series. So they were missing a lot of shots short. And that probably has to do with tired legs. Like game six, they had an atrocious performance in the first half. And it just they dug deeper and deeper. Like... They had a chance, but then the Warriors went on a 21 to nothing run, and they couldn't make a single shot. They kept turning the ball over. It was like, I think Game 6 was actually their worst performance um, I've ever seen. And Tatum, yeah, but that doesn't get to the point where Tatum had 100 turnovers overall in this series. Like, Yeah, that's just, that's I think just that's what much. I was trying to kind of mention was the, uh, they gave him a lot of playmaking responsibility, and obviously credit to Wiggins. 
amazing defender. We always knew he was an amazing defender, but like especially against Tatum, I don't know why he gave him so much fits, you know. And I think that obviously probably has to do with just the length and athleticism that Wiggins provides. And he's able to just put his all out on defense basically and guard Wiggins and I think or guard uh Tatum and you know even Steph played decent on Tatum which is underrated I think this series Steph's defense and Steph's defense throughout the whole playoffs has been underrated obviously he's a great shooter facilitator runs offense you know does all that but this this year I think uh which was highly underrated by Steph was his defense and you know Draymond played great on on Tatum too so I think it's just you know great overall defense you know what they say defense wins championships so defense is probably they're going to talk about Curry's offensive performance the defense won the game for the Warriors you saw in game three that the interior defense was horrible and it was because Steph was in foul trouble Looney I think was in Looney didn't play as many minutes I think in game three so the middle of the paint was just wide open for smart to keep posting up and hitting layups and the warriors showed up credit to them and just solidified the inside they kept um, forcing the celtics i think to go left and they jeff and gunny kept saying that when they go to their left they're a lot worse and they keep turning the ball over they don't know what to do that's something that you know Ime Udoka is going to have to challenge the celtics to improve next season dribble on their so, offhand the entire practice <laughs> yeah man i mean you can't have handles this bad and expect to win yeah a championship and right finishing, they're gonna exploit finishing, weaknesses like finishing that finishing at the at the cup was very hard for them too they weren't you know. exactly it was weird yeah you should make those layups yeah. robert williams kept missing let put putbacks yeah it was i weird. was gonna bring up robert williams you know we talked a lot about tatum but obviously they didn't have a healthy Robert williams throughout the whole series and i'm not trying to say that yeah. you know oh, it's a different series if robert williams is healthy but man was he playing good on defense he had that paint on lock he i think out of all the celtics had the i guess the highest stock increase if you want to look at it like that his his i agree his performance throughout the playoffs and especially in that finals playing hurt and being the paint protector that he was and being able to still switch and stuff like that was absolutely important and you know an insane performance by him i just he was incredibly intimidating i just hope his there. knee gets better during the off season because i know like he put a lot of pressure on knee, especially in this six game series and yeah and yeah, i yeah. hope i hope his career doesn't get cut short because of that like a little it like what he said yeah <laughs> hurt wait what is it what was the tweet it's like he said, I've heard that one before, yeah, I think. Yeah, that one. Yeah, yeah, that is crazy. But, I mean, it's the NBA Finals. It's the playoffs. Just, I would do the same thing. You know, in the moment, you can't tell someone to not play. Exactly. So, let's talk more about the Warriors side of things. Because, you know, as much as Boston lost this series, the Warriors, again, won this series. And it couldn't be more stated of the Finals MVP. The first time Finals MVP, by the way, Stephen Curry. Curry this series had 31.2 points, 6 rebounds, 5 assists, and 2 steals on 48-43-86 splits. And that also accounts for the fact that he went, what, like 0 for 6, I think? 0 for 9, I believe. 0 for 9? 0 for 9, yeah. To have those numbers, even like he had a a very um, subpar, let's say, game 5. And he still averaged those numbers. Man, I think that he's different. Like, it's he's just that guy, and he is. I can't believe, like, you know what the narrative was before all of this, right? Steph Curry can't show up in the finals. I mean, the narrative right? was always stupid. He, he needed KD. Now he needed KD. Yeah, yeah, he needs KD. I think I feel like if you're a true basketball fan and you believe, really, honestly, believe that Curry's legacy is like drastically different before post this finals is i think that discredits your basketball opinion because dude there's nothing that my but my books personally i don't think anything changed for steph he was top 10 before the series and i think this just like solidifies the top 10 like he's gonna be he was you know i think that whole narrative is just obviously it's not like completely made up but like i don't think it was really like a strong narrative in a sense it shouldn't be the strong it shouldn't be the narrative and it was always a stupid narrative like but I'm exactly. I'm so glad that the Warriors, you know, they could have ended things back in 2019. They lost the championship. They lost the chance at the 3P. They still won three in uh, five years, right? But no, 
Bob Myers continued to just keep the core around, even though Clay was hurt, even though um, Draymond you know, was kind of injured. Seth broke his hand later. Yeah, Draymond was kind of injured. They had Kelly Oubre, and they paid him so much money, and they paid the luxury tax for him. But they kept on competing. You know, people kept saying that they were wasting Steph Curry's prime. They compared. Oh man, there was this Bay Area guy who compared um, Joe Lacob to Jerry Krause for the Chicago oh Bulls. Man, uh, remember I told you about this guy, Vivek? I knew that was such oh, a Oh, man, I think I know what guy I'm talking like, about, but we're not going to ruffle some feathers yeah. right now, so let's not mention I think, his name. Yeah, I'm not, I don't need to name names because I don't want to I remember I seeing, it, I remember seeing a like take that. that said, I remember seeing a take that said that if Steph Curry wants to win again, he needs to leave the Warriors. Yeah, no, that's, that's exactly crazy. what, like, and they were like, you can't draft, you know, for the young core. You know, you have to trade all your assets now. Oh man, there were people trading, trying to trade Wiggins and Wiseman and Moody and Kuminga for Ben Simmons. You know, that's just insane. Like, that's why you don't listen to NBA Twitter. <laughs> God, you know what it would be? It'd just basically be you know them trying to win against you know Memphis or whatever, and then Ben Simmons is on the bench, and he's got the most ridiculous outfit on probably. That's probably <laughs> what it's gonna be. We'd probably be waiting for that guy just like Brooklyn. We'd be waiting right for now. Balenciaga Ben to just don the sidelines. That's what it would come down to yeah. if we were to trade for him. I think it would be interesting to trade for Ben Simmons if you wanted to just hamper your future for the next 10 years. I'm so glad that the Warriors committed to this bold experiment of not just keeping their veteran championship core, but also adding nice pieces that can aid their future too. This run can definitely be going on for a long time if you see the development of Kaminga and Wiseman to lead the fronts, and then you also have a budding star in Jordan Poole and a solid contributor at the very least than Moses Moody, right? And so I'm really excited to see, you know, if the bold experiment will pan out and if those guys can actually, you know, get the torch passed and they do their own thing. But the fact that they were able to win with that interesting heterogeneous mix of players that's amazing i don't think i've ever seen something like it yeah and you gotta respect curry not just on the court but off the court he didn't do something like lebron did basically where he tried to mortgage the future of the franchise just to get himself another ring he understood the assignment he had faith in his front office and they delivered for him again right you know steph curry can't win a ring single-handedly like no star basically can but if you just put some faith in the guys in front of you and just realize, like, he bought in, right? LeBron doesn't buy in. Grind, yeah, right? he doesn't buy in. He wants to win in. now. Yeah. <laughs> like, he bought in. He understood, like, his front office is going to have him covered, right? And he reaps the benefits. Just like with Giannis last year, right? He could have left. Mm-hmm. He could have threatened to go. Like, Steph could have threatened to go, just like every other superstar, just like everyone on Twitter was trying to tell him to do, Right? But no, he said, like, I just trust the process, right? And and here's the one time I will defend LeBron James on this (laughs) podcast. The one time. He could not trust his front office the first time around when he left Cleveland. I mean, he absolutely deserved to ditch that whole team. When her second best player was, I don't even know. I think it was... um, I I I, couldn't tell you. I know who it is, but I can't pronounce his name. That's the thing. Iligowskis. Oh, okay. Iligowskis was, got, yeah, he was got like the, big brain here. the third best player. <laughs> I think it was... Last Mo, year, Williams? Mo Williams. Mo Williams. That's yeah. the name. Good stuff. They were going to try to trade for Carlos Boozer, too. Uh, but then the Cavs front office was too cheap to actually go with that deal. And also for Amari Stoudemire. Um, I think that's also another deal that fell apart. So, yeah. I mean, I, I get it for LeBron the first time around. Obviously, after that open season right and you can take shots at him and I'll be right there joining you but Steph had the luxury of having great owners too that really invested in this team I mean Bob Myers and Joe like of the capital that they were able to put forward and the amount that they were able to invest and were willing to put in forward for this team they had a strong vision that they wanted to build a corporation not just a basketball team but a strong corporation in which the basketball team not necessarily the dollar signs were the biggest importance worth the biggest importance to the team they cared about the basketball through and through and that 
investment is going to pay off dividends for them, not just in terms of their championship legacy, but also the amount of attention and the amount of love and praise that they will be getting. And that will almost certainly translate to the dollars. And the Warriors are a model example of what a good franchise should be. And they've exemplified it. It's not just a win by the players, but also the front office, the coaching staff. I mean, the Warriors have had some of, if not the best coaching uh, in the whole league. And they've proven They basically it. have three head coaches on their roster right now. They do. If you take, obviously, you. Steve Kerr. Yeah. Mike Brown just got a head coaching job. And then Kenny Atkinson had a coaching <laughs> job, and now he declined it and came back. But it's that's, so crazy we were able to get Kenny Atkinson on this team is an assistant coach. I mean, he did great things in Brooklyn, and to have him over, that's amazing. Yeah. I think and it's so crazy him. that these wise men didn't even fucking play a single game this year. And he's a number two pick, and is a stretch five, and is supposed to be, you know, like a sort of a demigod. Yeah, and, and they got Jokic's personal, the, his old trainer that kind of transformed him into the player Jokic is today. He's, they got that guy working with Wiseman. Exactly. I think it's so crazy. I just, I just, that that core they have, they basically have a starting five with Poole, Moody, Kaminga, and Wiseman. Which and is Wiggins too. Wiggins insane. will be part of this court too going forward. Yeah, I mean it's just so crazy to me that they have this going on, and you know they have Coach Kerr obviously, and now they got it. Any any for any reason Steve Kerr wants to step down, they got Kenny Atkinson next. They got probably another guy in the system ready, and next year they'll probably get some other young dude who we never fucking heard of, and he's probably gonna end up being really really fucking good too. And I think it's just absolutely crazy. There's just it, I think it's just a system, you know. It's that trickle down when you got everybody invested into the right things for the right reason. It's what it looks like, and this is the end result of it. And you don't have fucking snakes that are just running hissing around and crying on Twitter <laughs> like Kevin Durant. I think or people under the bus. I think it shows. Like yeah, Doc. man. I think this is. Or Glenn. Right, exactly. Glenn. Yeah, I think this shows how you do it the right way. I think every team should somehow try to be like the Warriors. I think it's a culture thing, obviously. And, um, you know, when you empower everyone in the organization, everyone wants to contribute. Like Steve Kerr, he believed in every one of those guys on the bench, all 15 players, and he played them in all the regular season games. You know, even Chris Chi, Tri, uh, Chorizo. 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 I wanted to say Chorizo, but I knew that was wrong. Say it anyway. <laughs> Chris Chorizo. Yeah. No disrespect, man. You have a ring. I don't. You just disrespect me. <laughs> well, I didn't try to. <laughs> but, yeah. You, we'll like, see you at him, Santa Cruz. Juan Toscano Anderson, um, Damian Lee, right? Nemanja Bialica, right? They all played in the regular season. They all got their stripes. And when Steve Kerr needed them, they came off the bench, right? When they... Bialica played minutes in the second quarter. Um, he clamped game two, And, yeah, game five. Yeah, he clamped Tatum. And was... Wasn't Moody playing in the, the the Western Conference Finals? He was, and Juan Toscano Anderson was also playing in the uh, and Damian Lee until he got benched. But like, you know, deservedly so. Yeah, I mean, I think that's why Moses Moody came in for Damian Lee. But no, yeah, yeah. But like, these guys stay ready, right? These guys stay ready. They are ready to contribute, and they surprise people in the playoffs because they were already ready for this, and they feel like confident. Under and they don't system. complain too. They all know their role and they all accept it because they know that winning a championship, a team is greater than the sum of its parts and everyone buys in. And it all starts from, you know, when Steph sits on the bench or comes off the bench in that Denver series. You know, that underscore yeah, how importance can you to say, How can you say anything to anybody if your star player, your best player, MVP, blah, 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 is coming off the bench? Like, how can anybody else not like have, an, have a personal attitude towards the series? Like, how can you have your own beliefs over anybody else's when you see the best player on your team coming off the bench happily. Yeah, and Wiggins taking a smaller role too. Everyone had to play and sacrifice, and they all did mm -hmm. it. And even though there might have been some internal you know, complaints that the, the players might have harbored to themselves, there was never any true drama that rippled through the whole team and went into tear the chemistry apart. And that's pretty rare in sports because a lot of the times, there's a this is a very... Uh, me defined profession honestly because athletes care about their performances and all of that because that's kind of their job but this is one of those situations where you get complete buy-in from the top down and it's just so beautiful to see man it's, it's literally a textbook like a movie of how a franchise should be run yeah. and you know especially seeing how the weirs shifted from 
you know, back when Larry Ellison had the team and uh, you had Monte Ellis and all that stuff in the Discord after 2007, seeing, you know, from that period when I started becoming a fan to now, you would never be able to expect this type of turnaround in a pretty short amount of time. This The Warriors were only really exploded and got on the scene, I would say, less than a decade ago. Yeah. I do want to add a couple of things. Draymond Green also came off the bench in Game 4. Like He didn't come off the bench, per se, but Steve Kerr switched him out. He benched him um, for offensive sets for Jordan Poole. And he bought in. He didn't complain about that. He was furious, I think. I think that's what he said later on. But I think he was also frustrated at himself. And yet, but he understood. And, you know, you got Andre Iguodala there. He didn't do too much in the finals on the court. But I think he had a lot of impact off the court. And what he was teaching those guys, what he was talking to Wiggins about, what he was uh, to, uh, mentoring Gary Payton. Like, he was in that same position, right? He was the finals MVP, even though he came off the bench the entire season. And he could have just said, no, I'm not going to. Um, come off the bench for Harrison Barnes, right? But then, you know, he bought into the system and it won them a championship. He won a finals MVP. And again, it all has to go back to the culture and the ownership, as you mentioned, Vivek, like going back to LeBron, right? Yeah, he shouldn't have trusted the Cleveland Cavaliers' first um, stint, right? And I think that's what made him kind of resort to these kinds of strategies. And it does win championships. I'm not going to dis LeBron on that at all. You know, he eventually wins championships no matter what. But I think that this is just a different kind of, you know, culture kind of win. It's like a win for the culture. It's a win for the entire team, I think. And it's a win for Stephen Curry, both on the court and off the court of what he did. And again, I feel like this one is so much different from the rest of them. Just because, you know, it's not just about winning the championship it's not about just bringing the championship to the bay we have championships now it's not about proving the super team right right it's not about getting Kevin Durant his first ring this is just for the haters I just want to say this is for all the critics who came out of the woodworks for the last two years who thought the Golden State dynasty was done after two years two of which didn't have Clay Thompson one of which didn't have Steph Curry like and they called them dead they called Steph Curry a front runner. They called them soft. They called them crybabies. They said Draymond Green should get off his podcast, right? And they trashed ownership. They trashed Bob Myers. They said they couldn't win without Kevin Durant. They kept, you know how many annoying ass Warriors fans keep on trying to fire Steve Curry every other like game that he loses? It's ridiculous. So, you know, for all of those haters out there, what are you going to say now? What are you going to say now? A, do we expect a repeat though? I always expect to repeat. Yeah. This is the Golden it's, State Warriors, man. It's like what Draymond said the other day. The Warriors are the best. Everyone else sucks. <laughs> I thought it was hella funny when he said to CJ, he's like, the Celtics are going to be just like you, bro. Wingless. <laughs> they know. See, they know. They know they're champions. They know they're winners. Like, y'all can hate, but don't make them prove it. Like Draymond said, don't let us win another fucking championship, right? They talked their talk. They went and did it. Yeah. Like they I love how they didn't have to they didn't have to say anything until, you know, they won it again. They could say anything they want. They had like a reputation to stand on. They have three rings already. Come on, man. But they saved it, they collected it, and then they threw it at their faces once they won another yeah. championship. I hope everybody was listening to our fucking podcast because we had a clean sweep like we said in the beginning. Like we knew what was going on. I just you know, from the beginning, it's just, I just think there's levels to it, you know, and I just think, other than maybe Braun, there's no one really that has that same level of playoff, just turn it on and go win a ring type mode, other than the Warriors, like, LeBron himself and the Warriors as a culture are the only two, and that come off the top of my mind, that can really just turn it on and go win a championship, I think we thought that maybe the Bucks were like that, but I think with the Bucks, they need to have everybody healthy, all the pieces need to work out and stuff, but whereas, you know, we've seen with the Warriors, as long as, you know, they got the main three dudes, they're going to be fine. Exactly. And they've never lost a playoff series where all three of them are healthy. They played all the games in the series. Never lost. Undefeated. I, I will say, just to balance out the fandom, because no, even no though it's much... No, no balancing it out. <laughs> I, I got to balance this out. I mean, Draymond Green and Clay 
I mean, Clay obviously, you know, some struggles were to be expected, but Draymond overall, he, although he did show up in Game Six, wasn't a oh, really good shit. series for him in totality. And I think that deserves to be said because looking to the Warriors' future, you know, I, I think Andrew Wiggins will get a lot of focus going forward, and he should be is kind of the main guy in this team. But I'm just curious, what do you guys think? You know, when Draymond Green and Clay Thompson are gonna be up for contracts, I think at the end of next season, I know Wiggins will probably be able to command the max, and I think he, he probably deserves that because he's the do-it-all player that the Warriors desperately needed, and none of this is possible without Andrew Wiggins. And I'm gonna repeat that again: none of this is possible without Andrew Wiggins. Andrew, to a All-Star Wiggins, <laughs> to a all- All-Star starter. Yeah, All-Star Wiggins. starter Wiggins. <laughs> No, you pay Draymond and Clay until the wheels fall off. That's what it is. Like, it doesn't matter. You give them whatever they want. Unless they literally, like, you know, want Steph Curry everything, money. like, they just completely get washed. They score, like, a combined two points per game each. And I know Draymond doesn't score points. So, no, I get that. But they'd have to look completely washed already and, like, on the brink of, like, retiring almost for them not to pay him. That's insane to not. Just yeah. give him, like, like, a lifetime contract. Like, come on. Like, Draymond will probably command the max, but, you know, eh, not you see, really. You see that Joe Lacob's willing to pay for these players, right? Like, we've said it before. Like, Joe Lacob's willing to pay anything for these guys. If he doesn't pay Clay and Draymond, oh, man. I don't want to see I mean, that. I'm I sure he'll pay, but I think they do I'm have worried to about all the cuts, contracts though. going forward. I mean, how they much... They have to take pay cuts. They could take There's pay no cuts. Way. I'm not saying that they might not. Like, they... Might do it they for the good to. like the Spurs did back in the uh, when they were doing it. Like Parker and Ginobili always took pay cuts. Tim Duncan took pay cuts. But I'm just saying that Lakeup should just give them a number. And if they want to take a pay cut, they can. But you have to keep them. That's what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, Dr- Draymond took a pay cut. And he said in the J.J. Reddick podcast, the old man in the three, that he knew that the 2016 offseason would be big. And so if there was enough wiggle room to create a huge free agency standing for the Warriors, then he'd be willing to do that. And he claimed he had the foresight for that, which I definitely believe. So yeah, we were able to get KD partially. I mean, there was a whole host of events that had to happen. And the stars basically aligned for that KD signing to happen. But uh, and a part of that too was Draymond taking a pay cut. But I just bring this up because, you know, although while Curry and Wiggins were by far like the two most important guys on the court, and they were absolutely indispensable for the Warriors to win the series. I mean, looking at Draymond and Clay going forward will be interesting. I mean, obviously they have all my love. You know, they they're barrier legends for life. You know, anytime I see them, like I don't I don't know what I'd do. You know, how how can you ever think someone that's given you four rings and turned around the whole franchise for being an absolute laughing stock, right? But I, I'm curious. You know, in the future, do we see Wiggins basically? kind of becoming the number two guy going forward on this Warriors team. I'm going to have to think about that one. I think that... No, I don't think so, (laughs) because there's Poole. I think Poole is definitely a factor to play here, but I also think that Wiggins likes the role that he's in, right? There's not a lot of pressure on, you know, the tertiary scorer, right? And I know that he became the second, uh, second guy behind Curry in terms of scoring, but I don't know if he wants to be that guy full time right and it also has to like again you also have to take into account again that Curry and Wiggins like they didn't go all out in the regular season none of the Warriors did really you know we didn't even see Steph Clay and Dre play together for they only played like 11 minutes I think in the regular season right so I was there at those 11 minutes (laughs) oh really but okay yeah but, you know, <laughs> either way, you know, I don't think that Wiggins puts in the effort just to be able to have the effort that he put in, like picking up players full court on defense and, you know, scoring and driving and doing all that if he is burdened with the load of having to carry the offense or being the second option for the entire regular season. I don't think he can do that over the span of a regular season, right? And it probably it's going to be the, the case for like season. everyone right like i think it's going to be the, the case for all the big the three, last right? 16 games yeah. so i'm not i think it will take turns by committee i think any given player on the warriors can just have a pretty big game i mean you've seen porter go off Gary payton go off 
want to scan Anderson go off and even Bielitsa like have their own games where they put their signature stamps on it. So obviously more often than not it will be Curry and you know hopefully Clay um, is able to gain some more footing and feel more comfortable on the court. Um, I'm sure that will definitely be the case. You know he definitely looked like he was willing to pull the trigger a lot more of the time and to varying degrees of success. Um, more often not so good. But, I mean, I think, you know, when he goes hot, he'll definitely be able to carry a game. We all know that about Clay. But I think Wiggins has been, besides stuff, you know, the most consistent player. I mean, everyone has the one meme about Wiggins just scoring his 17 points and playing great defense on the opposing team's best wing player. And I can definitely see that trend going on. And that's a really viable player in today's NBA. Like, let's not get it twisted. Even though people might complain about Wiggins not having the pure gaudy stats of an all-star player. I mean, what Wiggins does night in and night out is truly all-star level. Playing good defense, crashing the boards, providing insane athleticism, you know, scoring pretty efficiently too. That, that's, a, that's a really great player, man. Honestly. I think we also do have to think about is that Clay was not anywhere near Clay level because if you compare him to any of his other standards, it's just... Well, I think the eye test, I think the easiest way to compare Clay to previous Clay is that he just does not, I don't know, he obviously played decent some games, like obviously game six against, I think it was the Mavs, right? Memphis. He obviously had yeah. his, or Memphis, yeah, he had an iconic performance. But in my, like that, that was one anomaly if you really look at his playoff run because he wasn't playing well at all. And many of those games he struggled and then shot a poor percentage. I think if you have him anywhere near just offensive shooting-wise and flow of the game wise he's gonna be back into it and then you add in the develop more developed game of jordan Poole. obviously steph is still steph i think that's just deadly yeah i will give clay a little bit of a pass because it's hard to come back after what 900 plus days of two more devastating injuries you know it's great to see him be able to take all these minutes and be able to you know look like at least let's say 60 to 70 percent of his former self right so i will give him a pass on that and i want to see what he's going to look like after a full off season of you know just getting back to normal right so because these things take time so i'll give him a little bit of a pass on that i think that you know i also want to talk about kuminga in this sense because we could see obviously Wiggins go into that role as maybe the third or the second scorer on this offense. And I think that, oh, by the way, you know, thank you, Kevin Durant. I, I do mean that sincerely. He could have signed with the Brooklyn Nets just outright, but he decided to do a sign and trade, get D'Angelo Russell over here. We trade Russell for Wiggins and Kuminga. And, you know, That's so we win crazy. a championship. That's such a, fucking, that's such a fucking finesse, bro. Thank you, Kevin. He like, didn't even I want to sign that. and trade. Just yeah. saying, like it was against his idea. He didn't want to give up any assets. Oh, okay. Well, I believe the sign and trade was literally <laughs> mandated. Like there was no other path to complete. There was no that. Yeah, there's no financial way. Yeah, to there do, was. Right? This wasn't a gesture out of goodwill. I mean, people often give that narrative, but it, it kind of irks me. There was there was no love lost in that <laughs> separation. I will but, thank I mean, Kevin obviously, anyway. There, there, actually, no, I take that back. There should be. Kevin Durant, you know, he played his heart out. He gave, tore his Achilles. He gave it all in the end for the Warriors. You know, that's a player yeah. that had to uh, overcome a massive amount of scrutiny. And Warriors fans, I don't think they really appreciated him like they should. But that's just my personal take. I mean, obviously, he wouldn't have been able to be loved like Steph or the original homegrown core was. But he was an incredible player that wanted to play for the Warriors. And he represented the Warriors well. He was a great player. And yeah, he was like the first like, truly, you know, big, big free agent that the franchise ever had in its history. You know, all of our players that became like icons were drafted until yeah. we got Kevin Durant. And I mean, 35 will be retired forever. And even though people, I think, you know, the whole thing is that KD's legacy, people are going to give some slandering to it. I mean, sure, I mean, we can debate that all you want, but as far as his tenure on the Warriors, I don't want people to disrespect what he played and what he did and how he represented the blue and gold, honestly. Don't let them divide you. We love Kevin. 
Don't let the others. Mm. Don't let the haters divide don't, you. Don't 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 lie, bro. You don't like Kevin, bro. No one likes Kevin. Dude, Kevin no, don't I appreciate Kevin what now, he bro. did for Golden Dude, Kevin State. Kevin Durant, he's such an insane player. Like people people forget oh, that. Oh, I'm not saying he's not. I'm not saying he's a great player. I'm just saying he's a fucking pussy. <laughs> <laughs> No, there goes his attitude's one thing, but his ability, his <laughs> when we had Curry, Clay, and Durant, like that, that's an unreal team. It's still, it should be illegal what the Warriors were able to do that off season. Like that, that was incredible. Greatest I have, of all time, I have easily. no hate towards Kevin Durant. I just, it would have been. I want to get back to. Yeah, go ahead. I was just gonna say some random bullshit. I was just gonna say <laughs> it would have been nice if you guys would have won the ring with D'Lo. No way. I don't think we could afford a No, that would be you. really hard. And nah, I'll tell you why, because I was just about to say, when I when we traded Kevin Durant for D'Angelo Russell, I was a little bit hesitant on the idea, be, mostly because we also traded Andre Iguodala as well to make the salary cap because Memphis, we were hard-capped, right? right? Yeah, and then Memphis had the beef. You know, basically all this stuff happened. Ridiculous. Either way, you know, we were really small. We didn't have Iguodala. We didn't have Durant. You know, Clay was the three. Yeah, and with Clay was injury, hurt, and Clay was hurt too. So like sixty yeah, percent of that Clay small came ball back, lineup his is gone. defense wasn't there too. Like yeah. Wiggins had to pick up so much of the load. That's exactly what did. I'm saying. Yeah. So like when you have like we needed wings, we needed three and D wings, and when we traded D'Lo for Wiggins, people hated it. Nick Wright especially, but you know, Nick. Or like, Nick Wright doesn't know basketball. <laughs> he doesn't. He really doesn't. But Andrew Wiggins. He could be a decent player. I thought he was going to be at least, you know, the Harrison Barnes type role. And if he was the Harrison Barnes of this new team, that's all we needed from him. And I think that's why he flourished so much because he was just like, I don't need to be the number one overall pick. I don't need to have the expectations on me to be like Maple Jordan, right? I just need to be, you know, everything the Warriors just give me my role as, right? So, and then, you know, it just worked out for him. He's the second best player on the finals team. Definitely second best. Third best was Kayvon. 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 Luajuan. Um, yeah. <laughs> All right. So we're going to wrap it up pretty soon, but I do want to ask two more questions because we said we'd talk about a little bit about legacy here. So Steph Curry, top 10 all time. Let's talk Easily. about this. Yeah, yes. agreed. Well, more no more, no more Steph debating of no, Steph Curry's top. No more Steph slander. Yeah, let's just move on the to the Nando, next question. I, I think if Nando says something about Steph, I think we, I think we have the right to just beat him up. Revoke, <laughs> we have to also revoke his basketball card. Yeah, it's okay. I don't know if he had one in the first place. I don't think he's ever been on a basketball podcast. That's oh, why. Wow. No club. No, uh, he wasn't allowed in. Damn. Good. All right. But, second question here. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, I, I think your second question would be Magic or Steph. What do we think, guys? It's if, hard to compare. Oh, Magic guess, is 6'9". <laughs> Magic the shoots thing. the ball with one hand. Yeah, but Steph shoots better. <laughs> I mean, every I, I just like how... kind of shoots the ball with one hand. Like, the guide hand doesn't really affect the shot. But, yeah, I mean, I see what you're saying. I, I think to answer your question, like... You can go with either stuff or Magic, and I wouldn't, you know, have any gripes over who you pick. I think it's pretty 50-50 in my books. Like, you go with Magic if you want the defensive versatility and, you know, just the general versatility. I mean, Magic... Whoa, whoa, wait, game. wait. Steph is a two-way player now. He's a two-way player now. He's a two-way player. He, he's two-way Steph now, but, I mean, Magic was considered, at least, you know, before now, I guess, you know, he was considered the greatest point guard and is still considered to be the greatest point guard for a reason. I mean, I'm not going to discredit Magic Johnson's legacy, but I mean, Steph Curry has put up an equally impressive legacy in my eyes, you know. So if you want to go with either, like everyone knows what Steph's good at. Everyone knows what Magic is good at. They both happen to be good at different things. It depends on what you kind of value at the end, right? But I think yeah. you can't deny that both are great, great all-time top 10 players. So pick whatever you guys want to. I'm I would pick Curry. Steph. I'm yeah. going to Steph because we watched it. We watched him since I watched him since 2012, and seeing him how he came from 2012 to now, such a major improvement, and how he changed the game, especially with the three point line and all that. Because I think back in Magic's time, um, they didn't really they had the three point line, right? Or was that later? I don't remember. Did they, they had? Line. They probably 
they had the three-point line, but they didn't. I feel like they didn't use it like as much as like today's NBA. So, and how I think what Steph brings on the table, like when he, when he gets the ball, like you have to either double, triple cover him. So I think it's just what he does on the court. Like I'm more convinced that Steph is a little bit better than Magic. Magic is also he, OG Mr. Flashy too. And, I mean, I think the thing is that everyone stands on the shoulders of Giants, right? Every player is kind of building on what the others in the past have given the blueprint to do. And, generally, you expect every generation as it go on to be better. Like, I expect that there will be a generation that comes forward where shooting like Steph or taking the types of shots that Steph makes, I think that will be more... I don't know if it's going to be replicated exactly yet, but I imagine that shooting how he does like shooting off triple at that distance will become more so the norm and you see greater emphasis on skill and you already see greater emphasis on shooting from the distance now especially for the big men which is crazy if you said it 10 years ago but you know every generation i expect will build on what the previous generation does and i only expect basketball skill cap to keep on getting better so this is to say that you know stuff is great magic is great and I personally, like, if I had to go for personal sentiment, obviously I'm going to go with Steph, right? But, you know, you can go either way, and I wouldn't be mad at you. I'm going Steph, first of all. I will say that in terms of the greatest point guard of all time, I agree with you, Vivek. It's two different things. Magic offers you different things from Steph Curry, right? I think, again, because they're different molds of a point guard. They're different molds of what a point guard is i think magic basically is not your prototypical point guard in the sense that the size that he was at allows him to play all these different positions he started at center the last game of the nba finals right in the closeout game of the nba finals and he killed it too yeah and he killed it so Mm -hmm. like you can't do that with steph obviously but you know if you need a guy that's gonna you know shoot from half court or, or you need to guard from half court and gives that much gravity to allow all your teammates to be successful and whatnot you know magic makes his team successful through his passing right Steph does the same thing through his passing but it's also more so his gravity as well because he's such a threat offensively that they'd rather give Kevin Durant a wide open layup than have Steph Curry shoot an open three right that's the thing so you're getting different things with different point guards you'd have to define what a point guard meant to you in order to say who's better at it you know they act like two legends cannot coexist all right just have them both that's all i got all right second question i actually wanted to ask it's not legacy related but i do want to go back to boston for a second you think boston's gonna make it back to the finals in within five years from now like in five years are we gonna see boston back in here I think so. I, I think, think I agree. Yeah. I think they have the right pieces. Like obviously the hard part to find. I think they have a one and a two, which is usually the hardest part is to find a one and then to find a two that complements their game. I think they have that figured out. Like I said earlier, I think they just need a point guard and the point guard just needs to be like a Mike Conley S type point guard. Someone or like a Ricky Rubio even, you know? Ricky Rubio. Yeah, someone that manages the game is not gonna do too much. Well let brown and tatum take the big shots but we'll control the tempo maybe like if i don't know like a veteran point guard you know just just basically you know anything that fits that there's a lot of guys that fit that mold um it could even be a little bit of younger guy but it wouldn't be anybody that i would uh cash out or anything like that but yeah i think they're just a piece away they got the coach right they i think brad stevens in the front office is a great addition too so i think they're just like a couple pieces away and i think they'll be back I think that they need a playmaker. I think they need a guy that just needs to control the offense, calm down. They got their Steph. They got their Clay. They need their Draymond in the sense that they, Draymond's not just a defensive, you know, genius. He's also great offensively because he can be kind of the just guy who takes the ball and he just you know calms everyone not looking, down. Yeah, not looking set. for his own shot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And he just runs a set and then or like when he picks up the rebound and then he just pushes the pace, he just goes and um, like he was blitzing the Celtics on fast breaks because he knew that once they get their half court defense set up, it's so much harder to score. That's why he was pushing the ball so much. He was pushing the tempo like getting a guy as cerebral as Draymond Green 
on offense, Celtics could be champions if they had someone like that. Obviously, you know, that's easier said than done. But it's also a matter of, you know, playoff experience. I think that Seth Curry mentions championship DNA, and it matters. We saw that with Memphis. We saw that with Dallas. We saw that with the Celtics. Young teams sometimes do kind of, you know, boneheaded things because they want to, you know, get ahead real quick. Back in game four, when they were up ahead by seven, I think in the fourth quarter, Seth Curry cut the lead down, and then they were up by three. The Warriors were up by three, and the Celtics kept taking threes. They didn't take a single chew at um, at the end of the quarter. They just kept jacking up threes, and they kept missing. A better team or a more experienced team would just say, take the easy chew and then play some defense like the Celtics have been doing. Like Their strength is their defense, but... They kept doing these um, three-point shots, and then they stretched the lead to six. Then they stretched the lead out to eight, and you know, eventually they won the game. So, I think that with more experience, I think the Celtics are going to get better over time. And if they already look this good at when Jason Tatum's twenty-four, I think that if they just add a couple more pieces, stay hungry, let this, you know, I guess uh, simmer, I guess, and kind of fueled you into coming back and trying to win it all again. Yeah. I think that they're definitely going to become... And, you know, and Jalen Brown is like the threat. best player I've ever seen that doesn't have an actual handle, you know? like <laughs> And that's not that hard to fix compared to other things. Like, he can that absolutely sounds like shoot. a little backhanded. <laughs> nah, dude, dude, he's a fellow Bear, man. Go Bears. Go Bears. He's like all really right. the only good thing that we've got as a school, at least our, from our basketball team. And like the last... <laughs> Who? Aaron? Um, you know, Mr. Aaron Rodgers. We don't talk about him, man. That's a head case for another day. I mean, as far as basketball goes, yeah, it's Jalen Brown and then Jason Kidd before that. But still, I mean, Jalen Brown became good to Cal, even though he probably had better offers. But I mean, yeah, shout out to him. I love the guy. It's not a slight to say that he's, I mean, he clearly wasn't able to handle the ball. And in the last game, he just had a lot of turnovers kind of naturally because he was the only person kind of driving in. But he's fearless out there. You mean, I mean, he was trying to grab the game by his hands and score and just try to show up. You know, all the things that, you know, old school type of analysts say. But you really saw him try to put a stamp on the game. And he was able to hit some really timely big shots and some difficult ones too. And he really does have a bright future ahead of him. I mean, he's already an all-star now, and I think that this is a pretty easy problem to fix compared to other things. I think his scoring is already there. Yep. Okay, last question. Last, last, last question, basically. Let's, first of all, I'm just going to say, you know, this is pretty much the end of our podcast, so if you want to hear more, just follow us on Spotify, iTunes, Amazon Music. Stay up to date on the latest and greatest of our sports takes. We are on Twitter, at Bay Council. We are on Instagram, at Sports Council. We are everywhere that you find podcasts. So please listen. We clearly know what we're doing now because we just predicted the NBA Finals right here. And uh, we already know what's going on. But I want to you know, show you a little bit more because... Free agency is coming up. The offseason is already here. The draft is on Thursday, believe it or not. So what are your like hot takes? What are your predictions right before we get into all the free agency frenzy, the madness, before we hear all the shams and watch reports? What is your call, basically, to make? All right, I got, I got one blockbuster over. trade. It's a, it's a four-team trade, which sends, which sends Kyrie to... The La La Land to rejoin LeBron and AD, and it sends Russell Westbrook to back to Washington. It sends Bradley Beal to Brooklyn, and it sends I forgot the fourth team. I had this thought about this earlier, but yeah, it's some it's a crazy trade. It's gonna have, it's gonna basically give everybody what they want except Russell Westbrook because he's fucking trash. <laughs> Bro, I don't even know if the team that's getting Westbrook gets the, the fair end of it. No, they get no, a they bunch don't. of picks. They get they a lose. bunch of picks. <laughs> they, they, lose and they replace it with Westbrook. <laughs> they expiring contract. Don't forget about that. I don't know. I don't want to know who that fourth team is. That fourth team get. Let's not think about it, man. Just getting destroyed because they don't. I didn't seem like they get anything there. Any other bull takes like that? I mean, 
I guess semi bold take Mitchell gets traded in the off season. I mean, what if Mitchell? I mean, I guess it's not really that bold of a take because there's already the rumblings happening. But I mean, I think Rudy Gobert is certainly gonna go out if not for Mitchell. I think the franchise, according to past reports I've consumed, they're more intent on keeping Donovan Mitchell, and they're gonna just try to trade Gobert away. I think that he ends up on the Hawks. Ooh, Mitchell? Uh, not Mitchell, Gobert. Oh, Gobert. Mm. I do think Capella take. get. I think Capella gets traded. I think there's too really? much smoke right now. Yeah. I heard John Collins was definitely getting traded. Yeah, I think it's yeah. gonna be Collins, Capella, Okongwu in a pick. Maybe like two picks. Such a fucking like ass trade, bro. I don't know who <laughs> wins that shit. That's worse than my trade. Yeah, that'd be pretty bad. But I mean, <laughs> yeah, Gobert as a pick and roll partner is. I mean, Prime Capella is a better pick and roll partner than Gobert is right now. So like, sheesh. Prime Capella was something else. Like he was, he was great. Pretty good. He was he was yeah. pretty great at the at the rocket system. I mean, CP3 turned him in, or sorry, Christopher turned Christopher, him. Christopher, sorry, turned him into to... like a really productive player. Exactly. Um, Dylan, you got anything for us? Honestly, fuck the draft. <laughs> or ba- run it back. Next year. All right, I'll double down for Dylan. If that my first trade doesn't happen, then KD to the Suns, baby. No, no, no. KD no, to no, the no, Suns. No, no, no. Oh, if you really yeah, think about right. it, like it makes Your sense. It, dreams. It, it, it does make sense. Like if you really think about it, like if you. What do you mean? The, if you think about it. If you think about it, like KD just needs a sound team that has everything except the number one score, which we are lacking. If you watch games, Man, you couldn't get a you bucket. crazy for that one. Trade, trade Da, trade Christopher. Trade, trade <laughs> Christopher Mikhail, scored trade a bucket him. to cut the lead down to forty-two. All right, let's wrap quarter. it up. Wrap it up. Wrap All it up. Right. Trade right. clam chowder. He's a clam chowder, <laughs> Mikhail, and Da, and three first-round picks for Kevin Durant. Who doesn't know? gonna have to talk about Brooklyn in the offseason I already feel it that's gonna be its own special episode exactly yeah but that is gonna do it for this episode of the show um I already said all my words so goodbye and go Warriors